Uh, you're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. It's an American history podcast, and each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to me and my buddy. Uh, Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Why? Why, uh, don't, why, don't, why don't you, Gareth Reynolds? Just that's how we do it. And I don't really understand what's happening right now, but I certainly don't like it. We're talking to Gareth Reynolds from The Dollop about <laughs> the inner workings of The Dollop. What? What is it you don't like about being interviewed, Gareth? I was not prepared for that right now. So I do not like that. You don't like... The fact that you're turning the intro of the podcast into an interview thing, which makes no sense. I don't know if it's an interview thing as much as it is, it is an interview. I don't want to do this. If you have... All right, what, give me some questions. What are your questions? What was it like growing up, and, and when did you become afraid of history? All right. Okay, we're good. We're good here. Feel good. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to Gareth Reynolds from The Dollop about his podcast. At what point did you become David Anthony's nemesis? Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to do this because we're not nemesi. And you're Dave. It's just stupid. <laughs> the whole thing is incredibly stupid. When did you stop yes anding improvisation? Uh, when it, uh, you know, when it's based so close. Okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like anarchy. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> Come on, the Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. No. I done, my friend. No. No. Broder. Broder in the court. Hey. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. You back to normal? Feel okay? What are you talking about? Okay, good. Did you do that interview with the guy I sent over? Uh, you can, um, we have a lot of dates coming up, Dave. You want, well, uh, first I'll say this, uh, I have an album called Riddled with Disease. You can buy at my website, garethreynolds.com. Um, also I will be in, uh, Australia at the end of January, end of February. I've added dates to Perth and Adelaide. Celebrate. Um, Adelaide, I'll be there. Celebrate. Well, the 24th and 25th of, uh, January. Did I say June before? I meant January. Uh, and then the 23rd of January, I will be in Perth. Uh, I'm at the Rhino Room in Adelaide, and I'm at Rosie O'Grady's in Perth. And then we'll be on tour. Uh, the Dollop is heading out on the road for a lot of dates. We're going to be in San Jose, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, Denver, Vancouver at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, two shows in Seattle, both of which are now on sale, two shows in Portland, both of which are now on sale, Houston, Austin, Dallas, Oklahoma City, Nashville, another festival, uh, St. Louis, Kansas City, Des Moines, West Palm Beach, Tampa, Orlando, Louisville, Indianapolis. You hear Aaron say go cards when you said St. Louis? Did you say Vancouver? You did. Uh, I did say Vancouver, and, uh, and my response to that is keep it down. You know, we're not here to hear, to hear your baseball opinions. Yeah, no, this is a faux interview show. About the show we're doing. I don't know if you... Which has a side of Nemesite chat. We do, we do Nemesite chats. Yeah. On the, it's like a fireside, but a Nemesite. Yeah. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are 
are exploring the sort of complicated and exciting world of of being a nemesis and what it means and 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 you know it's always been sort of a cartoony thing but now people are really sort of getting a taste of the oh it's nice the, for them to have a grounded the, one to the ins and outs really get their hands around yeah of, that's good of what it's like to actually understand a nemesis relationship sure and i'm doing a podcast on uh using fewer words you should listen to it you'd like it and really help you I'm saying, go cards. <laughs> uh, Aaron tells me my favorite pitcher is now not no longer on the Giants, but I stopped uh, paying attention to the Giants. So uh, that's right. You like football now? My, I'm a huge football Your guy. Your team won today, barely. Did you know that? Barely. Yeah, barely. They like to hold it to the last bit. Okay, the last Just bit. Like they, did okay, against, yeah. they did against New Orleans. Listen you know, to this they guy. hold on to the last bit. They didn't have to do it against your team. Your team was over. I would uh, that game was over uh, in the first minute and a half. I would that say. game was over. It was, fast. it was ten to nothing in under two minutes, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your 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 team fell down and rolled the ball into the end zone or something. That's well. We thought went, that's how we scored. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty. Uh, it was silly. Yeah, well, I mean, again, and my team has also won the Super Bowl more recently than your team, and, uh, you know, that's one of the best quarterbacks. Where are you going? You can't leave. <laughs> it's not how arguments work. You don't just get to... Well, actually, it is how arguments work. What are you looking for? I was looking for the, the pluggy. The pluggy. Oh. I guess, it, I guess it rolled somewhere. Oh, just like the Packers football. So for those of you listening right now who are like, why is the show coming to a dramatic halt? Dave is Buster Keatoning around the room looking for an outlet for his iPad. And he found one. I'm just going to cut that out. Turn the Benny Hill music off, Aaron. It's over. You're quite the butthole. I'm trying to keep this professional. <laughs> That's my new album title. Quite the butthole? Quite the butthole. <laughs> I like it. I was driving over here and I was listening to... Uh, God, I'm so tired. What's the guy's name? <laughs> Fucking. That's not like a the lot best of comedian. So white beard. The, 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 the what? White beard. Uh, oh, gray beard. Gray beard. The he best was like comedian? the fucking classic old guy, oh, Carlin. Carlin. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Christ! I mean, I, I, I know you're talking about one of the greats, but the idea that even Carlin goes like, oh, yeah, okay. I said I would never listen to it. On, what will uh, my legacy be, George? You'll be known for your beard. <laughs> I was listening to it on my phone, and then I was listening to it on iTunes Music, uh-huh. and they just stopped halfway through. And well, I that's how George wanted. I it. couldn't get it to play again. Yeah, I was George like, always said stop. It was very fitting, wasn't it? Well, people, a lot of people like the setup more than anything. They just like to hear like, oh, there's a map. <laughs> I don't need to know if he got there. <laughs> uh, September 12th, 1944. Year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thank the Lord for uh, the stuff we're about to receive. And go get him. Really? Leonard good. Peltier was born in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Okay. Uh, What's his name? Beltier? Peltier. Peltier. Uh, his mother was half Sioux, and his father was three-quarters Ojibwa. Okay. His father served in Germany during World War II, where Leonard said he was, quote, machine-gunned in the legs. Wow. But survived. Okay. I don't know if his legs were still there, but... Uh, Probably not super functional. Um, you machine-gunned? He was machine-gunned in the... Wait, that's a lot of bullets. Well, those bullets come out fast. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing that uh, yeah. is synonymous with machine guns. Yeah. 
Uh, Leonard's uh, parents separated when he was four. Leonard and his younger sister uh, then moved in with their paternal grandparents at a small ranch on the Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation in North Dakota, 10 miles south of Canada. Okay. In 1950, they moved to Montana, and soon after, uh, they were living there, three white kids. Here we go. Started throwing rocks at Leonard one day while yelling, quote, hey, you dirty Indian, go home. I don't care if you're a fucking kid. Is there a dumber thing to yell in America? Is there a dumber sentence in American history than, hey, Indian, go home? Is there a dumber one? You can only equal it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just leaving the door open because I haven't heard it yet, but I would hate to say that that is, but I mean, but it is, I mean, the ants like, uh, yeah, it's not great. No, it should clearly be Leonard throwing rocks being like, go home white people. That's right. Uh, one rock hit Leonard. So he quote, picked up a rock the size of a marble and I hit him on the temple. I seen blood. And with his screaming, I panicked and ran straight home. Okay. I mean, by the way, is that, that is uh, what we like to call Americans foreign policy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he hit, he hit, I mean, you know, he was right to throw a rock back. Yes. But then the second that you get hit, you're like, wait. Yeah. Oh, now it's shit's on. You did it. You did it. Sure enough, the kid's mother came to his home yelling that Leonard had tried to kill her son. Clearly. Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh, his grandmother did not speak English, so she was unable to answer. Cool. Uh, this just made the white woman more angry. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're here, learn our language. Oh, wait. Yeah. Wait. And she called his grandmother a, quote, stupid Indian bitch. Where do you think the kid got this from? I don't know. This energy and this... Well, when uh, he was yelling, uh, when they were throwing level rocks of ignorance, at, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Probably um, comics. Video games. Uh, she said she was going to have the entire family jailed. The next day, the... Pelt- what people? Yeah, what people? <laughs> what people? Yeah, what people? <laughs> the next day, the Peltiers moved back to North Dakota. Why? I don't know. Uh, weird. Economy. Uh, yeah, it was the economy. They couldn't get a job there. Uh, in late 1952, Leonard's grandfather died of pneumonia. Uh, the family struggled. And in 1953, Leonard was sentenced to a Wapiton Indian School. Uh, we've never done an episode on Indian schools, but essentially they put uh, Native Americans. You have a long, weird hair that's not yours that's coming mine. out of your chin. That's mine. It's not yours. Okay. Um, essentially, it was to completely strip them of their Native American oh, culture. Oh, God. That should not be called Indian school. Yeah. Uh, the forced. Assimilation to indoctrination nation <laughs> to white American culture by forbidding any Native American culture upon arriving. Well, quote, I, I mean, that is so that really is like, I mean, it's been it's, done it's throughout a, it's, history, and it's an it's slow, it's slow erosion of this shit. But it's so you, I mean, were you around in England when you were a kid when? they would not say the names of Irish things on the television and it would just be Not blank. old enough to remember that, okay. but I I'm mean, sure I was, yeah. You know, I think when they talked about the IRA right. or or they certainly did not allow the Irish to speak their, their native tongue. Right, oh yeah. Um, so it would, it would just be a blank 
nothing right. happening on the TV. Like it, it, it's it's historical. It's been going on forever. You mm-hmm. don't let people speak language. You don't let them have their culture, right. and you break them. Right. It's the same thing they yeah. did in Wales. They no, did it. it's like you're breaking the cycle. Yeah, yeah. Um, Except in this <clears> way, <throat> it's your your personal history, which is cool. It's cool to do. <laughs> Uh, upon arriving, quote, our heads were cut military style. Next, we were- Hair str- was cut. Hair was cut, what okay. I say? Heads. Oh, uh, well, he said heads. Yeah, but, but yeah. I just want to clarify, because uh, otherwise- Yeah, that's weird. Military style head cut is not good. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the looks of those. It's not the same at it's all. It's not great. It's not a great look. Uh, next, we were stripped, and DDT was poured ah, on us. Jesus Christ. And then we were marched in a line to wait for our turn to shower. This if, is a school? Yep. If there was any dirt or dead skin left, when we were finished, we were turned around and given a few hard whacks with a school rule, ruler and told to go rewash. So essentially, uh, prison. Yes, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like prison. Yeah. But again, the family cannot feed their kids, and they feel the only thing they can do to let them survive is to send them to these schools. Sure. Students were uh, beaten for climbing trees, Jesus. for making their beds too slowly, and for speaking their native language. Right. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. That's cool. And because they're kids, yeah. it's not scary. That's right. Right. After four years at Wapiton, uh, Leonard graduated in 1957. He moved in with his mother and uh, in Grand Forks. That winter, they were low on fuel, and we're worried they would run out as a storm was approaching. Okay. So 13-year-old Leonard and a friend drove to an Army Reserve depot to steal some fuel. They were caught siphoning fuel from trucks, and Leonard spent the next two weeks in jail. 13. Yeah. When he was like, this is better than school. (laughs) In mid-1958, his father took him back to the Turtle Mountain Reservation. At a tribal meeting, Leonard saw an old Ajibwa woman pleading for someone to help because her children were at home and they were slowly starving to death. 1958. Uh, Quote, she asked if there were no more warriors among our men. She said if there was, why did they not stand up and fight for the starving children? That day, Leonard vowed to help his people for the rest of his life. There we go. By 1959, as part of the government's termination policy to phase out reservations, Turtle Mountain's Bureau of Indian Affairs announced it would stop supplying free food. Wow. So it seems the opposite of a termination policy? Yeah. The Ajibwa took the Bureau of Indian Affairs superintendent hostage in his office and the uh, bureau relented glad it worked yeah that we'll take it but this is what he's seeing right so right. he's a young he's, he's a teen yes, and he's, he's seeing, seeing the boot of the white man on the throat of his culture and then how you respond right right oh that, and then yeah that you can actually via violence and threats get somewhere at 17 good lesson yeah it is a very good lesson at 17 leonard moved to seattle uh when he was there he got in a fight and his jaw was broken. He was supposed to wear a brace, but he didn't. Oh, his jaw was broken. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And then one night he was partying and he got into another fight. No. And his jaw was broken again. It's fixed. <laughs> Holy shit, you fixed it. Quote, but this time the muscle didn't heal properly and my jaw came out kind of stiff. Yeah. So the rest of his life, his jaw's a little stiff. Yeah, okay. 
Leonard joined the Marines to fight in Vietnam. Okay. But he was discharged due to his jaw. Now, okay. I didn't actually dig into that, but I'm betting it was, a, it was a financial thing. I just can't imagine. I mean, maybe it wasn't. But oh, the reason why he joined. Yeah. Right, right. I just can't imagine him based on who I know the person is. Right. Uh, but, you know, may, maybe I'm wrong. Okay. He worked as a welder and construction worker in Seattle. And by Leonard, your jaw's getting close to that flame. <laughs> by 1965, 20-year-old Leonard co-owned a Seattle auto body shop. Uh, he turned the second floor into a halfway house for Native Americans who were struggling with alcohol and uh, who had, people who had just gotten out of prison mm -hmm. um, because they were all struggling to live right, off the yeah, reservation. Of course, yeah. Someone who knew him at the time later said, quote, Leonard always had girls and money in his pocket because he's a real good worker and people liked him. He's always been good hearted. He just liked to laugh and tease. In 1968, President Johnson ended the termination policy okay. and began the long process of restoring sovereignty to over 100 tribes. Okay. That's there's so still, little. There's still tribes struggling for sovereignty, uh, particularly in California. Uh, Los Angeles also, I don't, I believe our tribe, uh, does not have sovereignty, the native tribe here. Um, that year, the American Indian movement, which I will now call AIM was founded. Its leaders were, uh, Ojibwa Dennis Banks, Oglala Lakota Russell Means. In 1970, Leonard took part in his first AIM action, a takeover of Fort Lawton outside Seattle. Uh, Leonard and 13 others were beaten by police and arrested and then beaten again in their cells. Leonard refused to leave the jail until the others had all been released. Wow. One later, one later said, I mean, I, really the, the depth of character to do that is crazy for yeah. them to be like, you're free to go. It's like, I'm, I'm not fucking leaving yeah, until everybody's gone. Crazy. One later said he was quote, already a leader. Well, we can't have brown leaders in America. Leonard attended an AIM meeting in Minnesota where Dennis Banks said if the AIM wanted to be taken seriously, they had to cut down on all the drinking, drugs, partying, groupies, and the, quote, Saturday Night Warriors. Okay. I don't know what that is. I, mean, I feel like that's like a party crew. Yeah. Party crew must yeah. be. Uh, Leonard, Leonard quit drinking uh, on the spot. Wow. In 1971, he returned to Turtle Mountain, but uh, he was missing the activism, uh, and he moved with Banks to Los Angeles. But Leonard did not like L.A. Quote, it seemed to me like kind of a jungle. Fair. 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 <laughs> a concrete one. <laughs> he moved to Milwaukee to help the Indian community there with alcoholic issues. Okay. Uh, I'll be using Indian a lot because those are the words he used. Okay. Just, yeah. In October 1972, the AM organized the Trail of Broken Treaties. Wow. Which was a car caravan from the West Coast to Washington, D.C. to gain attention for the AIM and its plan for justice from the American government. Okay. Leonard was in charge of security in D.C. And when they got there, President Nixon refused to meet with the leaders. So the AM occupied uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs headquarters for five days. Wow. 70s were great. They caused property damage and took documents they said proved government discrimination. Wow. Uh, 
Five days. I mean, yeah. seriously, like today, think of how long that would actually last. There how long would that last? There were so many 30 takeovers minutes? back then. Yeah, no, no. There were, and well, I mean, just in general, like yeah. sit-ins and shit where it was just like, where you would just be like, all right, they are expressing themselves yeah. and they would let you do it. And now they would like have a battering ram and like drag yeah. you out and... And, and you know, the left was more the left back then. There's not... Well, there the, was a left. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that Back then, you would consider a lot of Democrats the left, but yeah. now I don't think you would. So, no, because they're the right. Yeah. Right. So Leonard returned to Milwaukee, and on November 22nd, 1972, he I'm and from a, Milwaukee, FYI. I, uh, yeah, trust me. In November 22nd, 1972, he and a friend were at a restaurant when two white men started pointing and laughing at them. I'm not from there. Le- <laughs> Did you know that about me? I didn't. I'm not from there. <laughs> Leonard said, quote, what the fuck's so funny? Great. As you're supposed to do Great. when someone's pointing yeah, at you, laughing at you. Yeah, for sure. You throw the pebble. Yeah. Uh, the white men pulled out their guns. Uh, well, that's when you're like, boy, the guy's behind you. No, the other guy's the not laughing. Guys behind you're fine because you. you're laughing and pointing. The guys behind you are ignoring They're us. They're laughing and not pointing, which I take issue with. Uh, turns out these were plain clothes cops. But. <laughs> I know. Even then, there's zero justification for firearms. You still get out. to tell cops. You still get to say to a cop. You should be able to say to a cop in America, "What the fuck's so funny?" But it will, in some instances, get you killed, and a lot of instances get you arrested. But it wouldn't have a while ago. Like no. you could. I mean, things have changed. Yeah. But in my, you know, I mean, if you're brown, you're always getting right. And that is the difference. But if you're a white guy back then, you could probably get. Fuck you. He's like, hey, settle down. I mean, they were busting a lot of heads. You know, we're talking about yeah. right, Vietnam. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so, uh, Leonard was handcuffed and put into a paddy wagon. One of the cops started, quote, beating on me like a stepchild. <laughs> That's not a great phrase. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's, it's a telling, it's a telling way of putting it. And in all the, that would be like if you went out with someone who was pounding a lot of booze and you're like, you drink like a father. <laughs> <laughs> and in all the skirmishing around, my coat gets ripped open and this old piece falls out. Hell, it was an old busted Beretta. Couldn't even fire. I had just given a guy 20 bucks for it as a favor, figuring I might get it fixed sometime. One of the cops claimed Leonard took it out and pulled the trigger twice, but it did not fire. There we go. Leonard was charged with attempted murder. The cop's girlfriend. Jesus. Then the cop's girlfriend later say that he had previously waved a, right before this, he had waved a photo of Leonard at her while claiming he was going to, quote, catch a big one for the FBI. Uh. Milwaukee, they can catch a Native American, but not a guy eating people in his apartment. By the way, Native American name of the town. Every city there is Native American named. Yeah. They're like, get him. Yeah. Yeah. Leonard served five months before. And they caught Dahmer, <laughs> by the way. Well, some other guys got eaten after that. I mean, he. They could. They, come, look, you come on. <laughs> name one clue. The the naked guy running, screaming, please okay, help name me. Name one other clue. Please help me. Not even a guy. A, a, a young teen. Yes. A, a, yes, young, a young teen. Yes. I believe he was Laotian? Uh, he was going to say, okay, yes, okay, something uh, like that. Running in the street yes, naked, yes, saying, yes. please, God, help me. Yes. And the cops laughed it the off cops, and let Because well, Dahmer... Jeffrey came over and said, this guy's on some drugs. He's been drinking. Come on, you don't, have you, you, let me tell, okay, you went to college, you didn't ever have a friend who ran down the street naked screaming, help me, help me, help me, because he was afraid of the man who had a skull shrine in his apartment? Get over yourself, mister. 
You can cast a lot of dispersions if you like, but let me tell you something. The police force in Milwaukee was right on top of Dahmer at the right time. They caught him after he ate only 13. Get over it. <sighs> Leonard served... Just a regular chocolate factory worker. <laughs> Leonard served five months before uh, the AAM was able to post his bail. Wow. During that time... The Pine Ridge Tribal Council President, Richard Wilson, created the Guardians of the Oglala Nation. Okay. Also called Goons. Okay. A white security force on... So literally, Goons calling their organization Goons? And created by a Native American who's in charge. Well, well it's old school. And we're seeing it now. Old school versus young school. We're seeing a, a serious breakdown in... But the idea, what is the, the, the Native American who... He, wa- he wants to uh, have a white force. It's authoritarianism, controlling the reservation. Okay. Seems... Yeah, I didn't really look into him because there was a lot going on here. Uh, Wilson was rabidly against the AIM. Okay. So the goon squad attacked Native American opponent, opponents on the Pine Ridge Reservation. Uh, this led to fighting and an armed takeover of Wounded Knee by AAM and Lakota men. And the year again is uh, this is like fifty nine, nineteen seventy two, seventy two. Oh right, seventy two. Yeah. And what you just said was that there was a white invasion of a reservation. Well, not an invasion. He just hired a bunch of. Well, still, like. I a, mean, essentially. I mean, I like bet. the whites already control it. I mean, just whites walking on a reservation controlling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, a 71 day standoff Holy between, shit. uh, basically the AAM, the Lakota, uh, the goons, the tribal council and, uh, and the FBI and law enforcement on the other side. Right. Um, when Leonard got out, he headed straight for wounded knee, but it ended before he arrived. Uh, he did not think he was going to get justice in court for the, you know, fake trying why. to shoot me charge. So he went to Seattle and missed his July pretrial hearing, making him a fugitive. Right. Uh, on October 17th, Pedro Bissonette, who was at the takeover of Wounded Knee, was killed by the Bureau of Indian uh, Affairs Police, who claimed he had resisted arrest. That old chestnut. Yeah, the classic. Uh, then October 21st, a car registered in Leonard's name, uh, took part in a shootout with BIA police near Bissonette's funeral. Okay. Uh, two officers received minor injuries. The car got away, so they couldn't say who was in it. Okay. On September 20th, Leonard was arrested near Seattle with other AIM members in charge with possession of illegal weapons. Leonard gave a false name, Skip Bail, and went underground. Nice. Yeah, God, remember when you could just give a fake name? Uh, Dave, I remember so clearly being able to give <laughs> fake names in high school. It was all yeah, I would do. It was the best. If you had no ID on you, they'd be like, what's your name? You'd be like, John Tinseltorp. Jimmy Jan Thompson? Yeah, they'd be like, all right, and date of birth? <laughs> Wait, you're 48? <laughs> yep. Wait a minute. This is not... In March 1985... Now that'll be facial recognition, which will be better. uh, In March uh, 1975, Banks called for, quote, warriors to come to Pine Ridge and help out with the goons. Lawyers. He said the goons were, quote, shooting into houses and throwing bottles of cars and just running all over the traditional people. Jesus. Nearly everyone on the reservation at this point was armed. Few dared to walk outside. 
during March, at least seven people, including two children, were killed on the Pine Ridge Reservation. Wow. BIA police showed a little interest in getting involved. Yeah, because they're like, hey, look. It's taken care of. Yeah, it's taken yeah. care of itself. Yeah. Uh, when, when has that ever not gone away? No. Jesus. Right. They told a woman... Uh, they told one woman two of her relatives had died ac- accidentally. One had been hanged and the other chopped to pieces with an axe. An accident. <laughs> I, they stumbled, the lady. She stumbled 34 times into an axe. That happened. She was, we had a noose hung up for a pinata thing we're doing later. He jumps and he, high in the air. He was running and he tripped and he fell up the stairs. Up, up, up the stairs. Right. And neck first into the noose. We run up to help. Bottom drops out. Uh, that's uh, gone. Same time, your boy Jimmy. He's 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 accidentally getting hurt 30, 35, 40 times with an axe. That happens because you well, put, when you put an axe probably, on a swingy thing, and you're also probably saying, "Why did you not recognize this to be a person?" Well, but, she was wearing a log costume. Thank you, thank you. And uh, anyway, I thought this was one of those. She was resisting a log. C- case is closed. Yep, we, we closed. looked. We looked into all this. Yep. So that's it. We burned them. Another episode of Bureau of Indian Agency Police. Good guys. On April 2nd, the FBI issued a fugitive alert for Leonard, saying he was armed and dangerous. Mm -hmm. In May, Leonard's group... Wouldn't it be great if they put that out for the FBI at some point? (laughs) (laughs) So just be fair. We are armed and dangerous. Okay, that's good to hear. In May, Leonard's group moved on to the Aglala property of the uh, Jumping Bull family. It became like a, a local tribal community center. They had free alcohol counseling, auto repair, firewood, and a community garden. Just so you know, Native Americans still don't have enough firewood. Right. Like today, on reservations, they are freezing in their homes because they don't have enough fucking fuel to burn. Uh, the Aglala community loved them and especially Leonard who took over as leader when Banks left. Leonard also had a huge personality An Aglala resident quote, crazy guy, but fun, good, crazy, not nuts, really fun to be around. (laughs) Easy. You can't say crazy too many times before people are like, is he crazy? But, uh, so by this time, uh, Leonard had seven children from two marriages and two adopted children. Okay. He's he's a big family. He's out there. On June 23rd, uh, the Haglala Lakota Jimmy Eagle stole the cowboy boots of a white man during a drunken fight on the reservation. Okay. My guess is that this white gentleman lets clarity sink in and calmly asks for his boots back. Uh, Eagle, uh, he said Eagle had used a knife. Uh, Eagle denied using a knife, but he was carrying it, and he was charged with felony robbery and assault with a deadly weapon. Now, this gave the FBI jurisdiction. It's a felony. A warrant was put out for his arrest. On June 25th, FBI agents Ronald Williams and Jack Collier entered the jumping bull property looking for Eagle. They were told that he hadn't been seen in a few days and they were there were two, more than one building. They went into a, a small building, but did not go into the main 
compound building. Okay. The next morning, a resident was driving a half mile away when he saw 150 law enforcement men gathered. Before noon, agents... Picnic? Williams and Collier returned. It is not known who shot first. Oh, boy. But a gunfight started. Besides AAM members, many non-member locals were there, including at least eight children and three pregnant women. Most started running away as the shooting went on. Leonard and a few others stayed. William and Collier were both shot non-fatally from a distance. Okay. Then one or more people walked up to the two agents and shot them three times each from close range, killing them. No law enforcement saw the shootings. Right. They were immediately surrounded by FBI, BIA police, local and state police, U.S. Marshals, SWAT teams, goons, and other local white agitators, assholes. Right. right. Agitators, assholes. Leonard's crew believed, quote, we were in all probability going to die before the day was done. They were not just going to arrest us. They were going to kill us. Right. Yeah. Of course. Well, I mean, based on the track record. (laughs) Fair instinct. A couple of things in this puzzle. Uh, Native Americans and FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I'm done with my arguments. I think it ends in pizza. <laughs> so, uh, but then quote, an eagle came out and flew down and sat in a tree above us and then flew away. And we knew that was the direction we should go. So they went in the direction the eagle wow. went and they got away. What? Can you imagine if that goes south? I know. You're like, oh, no, they're in here, too. No, that stupid eagle. eagle. God damn it. It was a I cop wish... eagle. A fucking cop eagle. Hey, we got him. The <laughs> eagle. We got him. I wish that my life was commanded more by... Oh, God. Uh, what are you going to do today? Hold on. Wait, there's a puma. I'm actually following a snake trail. I believe there's water nearby. <laughs> Wait, what? Trust me. At about 1.30 p.m., the law surrounded a cabin on the compound and ordered everyone to come out with their hands up. From inside, two men fired a warning shot, then made a run for it. Okay. The cops blasted away, shooting Joe Killswright through the head. Last name was It's not a great name yeah. for the what great. happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad. Bad. It's, a, it's an omen. For, yeah. For like if moment. you're in a shootout with a guy named Killswright, you're yeah. like. Eh, yeah, it's not. Maybe we should separate. Uh, the other man, his brother-in-law, escaped. After a few hours of walking, Leonard's group was seen by officers in the distance, and they opened fire. But then the eagle appeared again. What? This eagle? And again, they followed it to safety. Jesus. Best eagle ever. Great eagle. Special FBI and SWAT units were now flying in from all around the country, and a group of white ranchers called the Civil Liberties Organization, who owned some reservation land, were given... A plane, a helicopter, a chemical warfare team, a team of snipers, and four SWAT teams. What? These are literally just asshole ranchers. And they get all that? They get essentially... And what are they? A, and a military force. Yes, and they're which, by the way, used to sound crazy to just give to people, but uh, <laughs> and they're just now allowed to just. Yeah, they're just going to go up part of the hunt. Wow. At five thirty p.m., the white cops and white ranchers raided the main house on the compound, so they're involved in the fucking raid. Wow. It was an empty, but the the main house is empty except for Joe. It's like bring your white to work day. <laughs> Uh, it's empty except for Joe Kilwright's body. 
Okay. Kills rights. Uh, Cecilia Jumping Bull returned later that evening, and an officer told her that two men had been killed on her property. Okay. Cecilia pointed at Kills Wright's body and asked if that was one of them. Uh, no. Uh, that guy fell he... onto bullets. No. Nope. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the officer said no. Quote, that's just an Indian. Oh. So when he so said been... two men have been killed... He meant he's the white saying guys. the white guys were killed, and that is Two not men were a killed. human. Right, right. That is an uh, that's a policy. An FBI right agent. Also, the family photos on the wall, all the family photos on the wall. Everybody's been shot through their head in the family photo. Oh Jesus Christ! But it's weird when you that's give a, a bunch of rancher vigilantes and uh, carte blanche yeah, and, and weapons SWAT team yeah. and FBI and yeah everything. Uh, under darkness, Leonard's group made it to a remote cabin of Noah, wounded the uncle of an AIM member. At 4 a.m. The, the eagle was in there making pancakes. He was like, you guys, we're killing this. You guys, what do you feel like, swimming? <laughs> like tells. Follow me to a pond. Come on, follow me. Uh... So at 4 a.m. the next morning, a bomb shattered the windows at Mount Rushmore Visitor Center 80 miles away. Wow. Uh, no one uh, was injured, but also no one claimed that they did it. Okay. Uh, that day, is the, the South Dakota Attorney General said it was time to stop being, quote, soft on the Indians just because they are a minority group. <sighs> White people, yeah, white people. It's just... It's relentless. It's, it's relentless. Relentless. It's relentless. It's everywhere. Over the next days, Leonard's group slept under trees during the day and moved during the night. Leonard, with Dino Butler and Bob Ribidoux, became the leaders. They spent July in various safe houses around Pine Ridge. An AIM spokesman said the AIM would, quote, not apologize for the deaths of the two FBI agents until the U.S. Justice Department apologized for the deaths of all those Indian warriors killed in the past three years. Uh, come on, come on. Those were not warrior people. Right. So basically at Pine Ridge, you know, they just spent three years of fucking shootouts and just people getting yeah. killed left and right. Yes. And I mean, tons again, of people have been killed. Again, it's what happens when you're an occupying force. Yeah. Yeah. And now two two occupiers get killed. And you're like, oh, fucking exactly. dare no. you! Well, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, essentially, it is the policy of when you hold your finger in front of someone's face and you go, "Don't touch me! Don't touch me! Don't touch 100%. me! Don't touch me!" Yeah. Uh, and he said the FBI uh, would. Sorry, and he said the AIM would step up its see South Dakota last anti-tourism campaign next year. Now that is an interesting nod. So the next year is uh, 4th of July, the bicentennial. So huge celebration all over America. Uh And tourists are expected to just pour in to Mount Rushmore for the celebrations. And he's saying that they're going to start a campaign saying, you're not going to want to do that. Right. Uh, Very smart. The state attorney general said, quote, the only way to deal with these AM leaders is to put a bullet in their heads. Jesus what? Christ! That, that that sounds like terrorism. Yeah, I mean that is that is not that's just not. Uh, On July fourth, an FBI helicopter. It's time to go back to England. <laughs> it's not great over there right now. Well, it's not now. <laughs> On July fourth, an FBI helicopter was shot down over Pine Ridge with no casualties. Wow! 
On July 8th, Jimmy Eagle turned himself into police. The FBI began an investigation known as Resmers into the uh, agents Collier's and Williams murders. Joe Kilsright's <laughs> death was never investigated. I mean, I was just about to say, I, it never. is it's just nice. A guy running. Yeah, a guy running, shot in the back, most yeah. likely. <laughs> Nothing than two agents who... Well, agents can do no wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even though they're doing complete wrong most of the time. Take care of your own. As long as you're Re- right. Resmer's investigators were routinely breaking and entering to get evidence. And, and if and people will write to me and say, the FBI are good guys. I could literally do a year of podcasts about the FBI. But, you, could, you could do a dollop FBI right. and have enough content for a fucking decade. Right. I yeah. mean, the FBI is insane. Just look at the terrorists they've arrested in America. It's all dudes they fucking duped who had no idea what was going on. And then like, we had the biggest terrorist arrest of all time. And it's a guy who's like, I just want a sandwich. Like, yeah. it's fucking crazy. And some of, the, some of the things that they have floated up the chain of possibility are, I mean, just... Oh. Crazy. No, nothing like a group that told MLK to kill himself. Yeah. Right. And his family thinks killed him. Uh, so Resmer's investigators were routinely breaking and entering to get evidence and illegally threatening and harassing suspects and witnesses. So they're just... Yeah, doing what they because do. Because it doesn't matter because it's a reservation. Yeah. and Well, yeah, of course. And you are the law. Resmer's led to four people being charged for the murder of the agents. Jimmy Eagle, Dino Butler, Bob Ribadu. And Leonard Peltier. The U.S. Civil Rights Commission called Resmers, quote, an overreaction which, which takes on aspects of a vendetta. Weird. What, and did they cite sources? <laughs> and that little has been done to solve numerous murders on the reservations. But when two white men are killed, troops are brought in from all over the country at a cost of hundreds of millions of dollars. Truly, to which white people say... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. That's our thing. That's what we're saying. And that's literally our thing. Yeah, okay, so you get it, so I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> In August, Leonard's group split up. He made his way to California, and on September 5th, Dino Butler was arrested. On September 10th, Bob Ribadu was arrested in Kansas. Uh, he had Agent Collier's gun as well as an AR-15 from the trunk of the agent's car. Okay. Leonard was now... Uh, the only one still at large. Okay. On November 14th, an Oregon state... I mean, what a scary feeling. Yeah. yeah. On November 14th, an Oregon state trooper misread FBI instructions to keep a motorhome under surveillance. Okay. He misread it and he thought he was supposed to stop it. Okay. Wow. That's... That's a, a big mistake. A great fuck up. <laughs> the first man out was, quote, a large Mexican appearing person. He ordered him to lie down, face lie face down on the road. This is one of those times where like racism actually sort of works to your advantage. Why is that? Because they, they think you're Mexican. Yeah, because they're just like yeah. so inept yeah. at like being able to distinguish or care to differentiate that they're yeah. just like, all right, well, nothing here, just a Mexican. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> Two women and a small child also got out of the motorhome. Then the Mexican appearing man shot at the cop. And uh, started running into the woods as the cop returned fire. As an eagle's like, this way. Uh, that was, of course, Leonard. Uh, he was hit as he ran. Jesus. The driver of the motorhome, who also got away, was Dennis Banks. The motorhome had been given to Banks along with $10,000 by Marlon Brando. Well, hello. I mean, honest to God, Marlon, we... 
Marlon Brando. Yeah. I mean, one of the good ones. Yeah, I mean, there's some bad sexual well, there's stuff. But... Crazy, but I mean, as far as like his uh, his attention to Native American rights, I'm talking yeah. specifically was specifically a guy that. who was like very much. Yeah, yeah, truly. but again, this was a different Hollywood. Now Hollywood literally wouldn't give it. I mean, they would just wouldn't care. The, no, you tweeted about it. Yeah, share a link. Uh, Leonard was shot in the shoulder. He stole a pickup truck and went to Portland where he stayed with a relative for three days. Uh, An AM supporting doctor treated his wounds. Okay. On November 18th, he went to Canada where he stayed in a cabin until mid-December. He was joined by a few AIM members, including his good friend, Frank Black Horse. Black Horse would be, after this, he would be the subject of persistent rumors that he was really an Italian-American from Cleveland named Francis DeLuca. Uh, what was that woman's name? Rachel Dolezal? Rachel Dolezal. Dolezal. So essentially he was Rachel dolezal the Oh, he, he was, he was really? Yeah, well, that's, that's what... The theory. Yeah. Oh. Um, They're saying he'd, he'd joined the AM years earlier by... Uh, yeah. Right. On uh, December 22nd, Leonard was put on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. That's just crazy. Again... There's really no, he's really done no crimes. Yeah. I mean, there's a I mean. couple small things, but he's it's a voice. It's he, a powerful they're saying, voice. They're saying he killed the man, and there's absolutely no right. evidence that he killed any, right. either one of the officers. And by the way, on the same day when other people uh, were killed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on February 6th, Canadian Mounties got a tip and raided the remote camp of a Cree leader near Hinton, Alberta. They found Leonard sitting next to a suitcase containing four lo- loaded guns. The arresting officer said Leonard shouted, quote, I'm not going to do anything you say. I have nothing to lose. There was a struggle, and Leonard had to be pushed hard against a wall. Leonard was put into a prison near Vancouver to wait extradition. Uh, Amnesty International called uh, Leonard's treatment in the prison, including isolation and body searches, quote, unjustifiable. Yeah. His extradition hearings began in May. The ability for our government and for us to so quickly get rid of any dissenting voices, become, the more that you peel that, the more that that becomes more and more oh. terrifying. The, I mean, yeah. the, 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 the simplicity with which they are able to just completely, for the most part, not only neutralize you legally, but the way that the public sentiment is able to be poisoned so fast and you are so quickly vilified. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm look, I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but then, um, when, when people of color start dying around an incident, yeah. one of those being Ferguson, yeah. when all of the leaders of Ferguson are dying, being killed in or raid, heart attacks. In illegal raids and shit, right? When, uh, oh, God, what's the guy who was selling uh, Lucy's in New York and got Garner? Oh, yeah, Eric Garner. When his yeah. daughter yeah. dies of a yeah. heart attack. Yes, at Sorry. like 41 or no. something younger. She was like late 20s. Was she really? It's fucking nuts. Uh, when that starts happening repeatedly, that she's not the only one, yeah. you know, you're getting a pattern. Yeah. And that's not something that um, is, it's not, it's not hard. C- can we really in our... In our world, uh, can we imagine the crazy idea that someone might have something that would cause a heart attack in people? I mean, the, come on. No, and the truth is too that it. If you if you believe 
that that's possible, it's so scary. Yeah. And that's why people choose not to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, so his extradition, his extradition hearing start, and one witness, Myrtle Poor Bear, claimed to be his ex-girlfriend, but Leonard said they had never met. She submitted an affidavit claiming she'd seen Leonard, Bob Ribadu, Jimmy Eagle, and a fourth person surround Collier and Williams, and that Leonard fired the shots that killed them. <laughs> so they have a witness, eyewitness. Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Was she in SAG-AFTRA? <laughs> so... <laughs> Leonard's lawyers claimed he was a political prisoner deserving asylum uh, were dashed. They were like, he, yeah. Uh, on June 18th, while awaiting the judge's ruling, a fight broke out between Leonard's supporters and police. The judge ruled that sufficient grounds for extradition had been presented. Uh, this was uh, delayed a bit when his lawyers appealed. Where are they extraditing him to? The U.S. Oh, oh, right. Okay, sorry. I forgot he's in Canada. Yeah. Okay. Ribidoux and Butler's trial began in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. They both admitted they'd exchanged fire from a distance with Collier and Williams, but they denied being present for the fatal close-range shots. This time, prosecution didn't use Myrtle Poor Bear. Hmm. Because the the defense found an affidavit in which Poor Bear had stated she left Oglala the day before the shootings. And that undercuts... What she saw. Yeah, if she's not there. It's hard to witness. That's right. Interesting. No it's almost questions. like there's no witnesses to the shooting. Yeah, right. But let them have another casting call. I think they'll find some great people. Uh, now there's only one supposed witness, a 19-year-old Wish Draper, and he testified directly linking Ribidoux and Butler to the murder. The defense convincingly argued his statements were coached and even fabricated. Okay. He was an actor. He was legitimately an actor? Yeah. Stories of horrible mistreatment on Pine Ridge swayed public opinion. And as the jury deliberated, 98% of the white town of Cedar Rapids held a spontaneous march supporting the defendants. I mean, can we frame this moment (laughs) and put it on the wall of white for a second? Wow. That really is a a testament to... I mean, they, right, they know them and they, you know. Yeah. Again, the, the people aren't the FBI and the, right. and the you know, right, right. law yeah. enforcement. Right, right, right. They're people. On July 16th, after five days of deliberation, the jury found uh, Rubidoux and Butler not guilty, saying they hadn't executed the cops and any shooting they did was in self defense. On December 16th, Leonard was extradited to Fargo, North Dakota, what? even extradited though. in the States? Because the judge had already ruled. That Poor Bear's testimony was just was justified the extradition, right? So, so after they could that, do it, they could so, still do it based on that. Yeah, even though we it, now know she know. was lying, right? Pretty cool. Leonard uh, Leonard that was is in, insane. Leonard was in very good spirits. One of his lawyers said, "Quote: Here was Leonard on trial for murder, and he was trying to cheer us up." During the trial, the judge routinely interjected to help prosecution witnesses. Okay, so we have a, let me guess, the race of the judge. Wyatt. I mean, are there any other kind of judges at this time? He repeatedly barred the jury from seeing evidence. and Like a judge is supposed to. And from hearing witnesses who would almost definitely prove Leonard was innocent. 
Right. So anybody who said he didn't do it or wasn't there, well, eyewitnesses there, he's just like, nope, can't right. do that. Right. This included Myrtle Poorbear, who would have testified that, that she the, had left, that the FBI wow. coerced her. Oh my God! Into signing the false affidavit for Leonard's extradition. So now you have a witness, <coughs> arguably the biggest witness, who said he murdered someone and she saw it, and now she's saying the FBI made her say that and do that. Is that damning? The judge said she was too unstable to testify. Right. Right. He barred Jimmy Eagle from testifying because his claims of FBI misconduct would, quote, confuse the jury. Yes. And again, that is not the point of this. The last <laughs> thing you're supposed to do is uh, water down any of their decisions. I mean, come on. You, you confuse a jury. You know what happens. That's a hung jury. I mean, that's a problem. Uh, I mean, the whole idea of defense is to confuse the jury. Yeah. Right. I mean, essentially, to that's, be like, oh, yeah, yeah that's murky. That doesn't seem, it's yeah. not 100%. Right. Right. The prosecution argued the most important piece of evidence was a shell casing from the killer's rifle that was found in the trunk of the agent's car four days after the shooting, after being missed by initial investigators. Okay. So they're following the making a murderer theme. The defense, led by Elliot Takeoff, I don't know who this is, but apparently it was a, a known New York attorney inexplicably failed to pounce on conflicting and very suspicious testimony from investigating officers about the chain of custody of the shell casing. Nice. Including flimsy excuses for why it wasn't tested until six months after its discovery. This is like, this is this this right here, this thing about the shell casing and being found four days later Mm -hmm. and then being tested is so common that now it's a hacky theme right. in movies in which they're trying to frame someone. Right, right, right. Um, but this is before that trope. Yeah. Uh, when ballistic experts for the defense proved the shell casing had not been fired by any gun associated with the killings, prosecutors decided the AR-15 found during Ribido's arrest was the murder weapon. What? So... <laughs> I mean, even they're murkying the argument. So, How do you... So they prove that the shell casing is bullshit. Right. And then they're like, and it was this gun. Yeah. And then they're like, found another one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. And it was too damaged for experts. That, so the AR-15 is too damaged for experts to test if the shell casing came from it. So its involvement cannot be disproven. Right, in the way that I could say to you. Uh, but you have to prove beyond an innocent doubt. So they have to prove that that gun, if they want to say they, it did, they exactly. have to prove that it did. Yes. That's what yes. guilt, so you don't proving to, guilty beyond an innocent So then you don't sit down and go, all right, defense, <laughs> poke some holes in the argument that's full of holes. It's like, no, that you're any reasonable doubt. I mean, this should be filed under ridiculous doubt. It's only doubt. On April 18th, 1977, after six hours of deliberation, an all-white jury found Leonard Peltier guilty on two counts of first-degree murder. He was given two consecutive life sentences. Um, The good guys won. Jimmy Eagle would never be charged with any crimes relating to the Agent Collier and Williams killings because they they didn't want to do that again. Right. Uh, April 1979, Leonard was transferred to Lompoc Prison in California, where he became a friend with a Mexican-American man named Bobby Garcia. Bobby had escaped prison twice. 
In May, a new inmate calling himself Richardson arrived at Lompoc. And then Leonard was told by someone outside the prison. Here we go. One of his contacts. No way. That Richardson was a fake name. Get out of here. He was actually Dick Williams' son-in-law. The guy set up the goons. And Richardson had been sent to kill. Leonard? Yeah. Holy shit. So Garcia arranged for Leonard to have two inmate bodyguards with him at all times. Wow. Still, Leonard felt like his life was in danger. Yeah. Because his life was in danger. Totally. And you're, and you're, again, it's not like you're, it's not like you're free. Like if you're getting into prison under a fake name, that means the prison system completely is behind it. Yes. You can't just get into prison using a fake ID. No, yeah. No, it's not, (laughs) it's not a shitty bar. (laughs) At 8 30 p.m. on July 20th, 1979, Leonard Garcia, and 19-year-old Lakota Dallas Thundershield set That's fire. That's a great name. It's a fucking amazing name. Thundershield? Yeah. Set fires in their cells, then used keys made by Garcia to reach the prison fence. Wow. At this point, supporters outside the prison were set up, and they started shooting at guards as the three climbed over the fence. Love it. But prison officials had been tipped off. There was a guard standing outside near the exact place where they exited. He told the three men to freeze, and they did. And then the guard shot Thundershield in the back. Jesus Christ. Leonard and Garcia then ran off into the brush while the guard handcuffed Thundershield uh, as the, he was dying. The, 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 I mean, the... American... The, the shoot and cuff oh, thing God. is one of the... Hard, and because now we have access to seeing that shit, uh-huh. to desensitize us, to make it normalized and feel That's fine right. eventually. That's right. It, that is truly one of like the most disgusting, and in, in, a, well, in a sea of disgusting displays. You, you have to put yourself into the position of a person doing that, and if you, and if you can shoot a, a, a man, and, let, and let's say they're not armed, and let's say they're not pointing a gun at you, if you can, and that happens all the time. Yeah. If you can shoot, in, like in this instance, a man in the back, um, and then and then hog tie him. Yeah. As he's dying. You're a fucking psychopath. Yes. Yes. You does and you often you're a white supremacist. Yes. And you're doing oh. what you want to do. Dude. Yes. And the no, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, so Thundershield died. One of Leonard's supporters, quote, the guard was there and he was ready. He didn't know about Thundershield, who decided to join them at the last minute, and it looks like the wrong long hair, long-haired Indian got shot. So Hugh meant... He meant so to kill them. Again, it's when racism somehow plays into the... Like, yeah, they, a broken clock is right twice. It, like, yeah, he, the, was, he was an executioner. Yes, and he, because of his inability to differentiate, shot yeah, the wrong person. That's right. right. Garcia was captured 90 minutes later. Leonard, who was now armed with a rifle given to him by a supporter, disappeared into the hills. The AIM called for members to flood the area to confuse the search. Great. After five days of wandering in the heat, Leonard approached a rural farmer at gunpoint. The farmer said, quote, I suppose you're going to kill me now. And Leonard replied, no, I'm not a killer. I'm a, poli- I'm a political prisoner. I don't go around killing people for no reason at all. In fact, I haven't killed anybody. Leonard took the farmer's truck, but let him go, even though killing the farmer would have stopped him from calling police. And the farmer immediately called police. The truck broke down after two miles. 
And then the FBI and local police tracked Leonard. One of the detectives said, quote, the information that we had on him was that he had a very explosive character and that he would not be taken alive. The, I mean, even though he's already been taken alive and then already been taken alive kill, and killed the farmer. Yes. Yeah. An explosive character. Where do you think that comes from? Uh, yeah. I mean, that is the oldest uh, stereotype of all time. When they caught up to Leonard, he didn't shoot at them. After being handcuffed, Leonard said, quote, maybe I could have gotten one or two of you, but I'm not a killer. Talk about explosive character. <laughs> the, es- the escape added seven years to his sentence. Which were two consecutive life sentences. Yeah. In 1983, Bobby Garcia was found dead in prison. Authorities said he hanged himself, but many believe he was murdered. In 1984... What we know is Epstein. Yes. Uh, in 1984, so now years are just gone by. In 1984, Leonard's original prosecutor admitted the government still did not know who killed Collier and Williams. The prosecutor who convicted him said in 1984, he and they did not know who killed the FBI agents. It's good detective work. In 1986, an appeals court acknowledged FBI misconduct. Okay. But still affirmed Leonard's conviction. Sure. That's how it works. In 1991. Retrial? A now retired judge from that appeals court. So the appeals court that said the FBI had done misconduct. Right. But, right, but- re- he, he retired and felt so fucking shitty because he knew Peltier had committed no crime that he wrote to President Bush saying that Leonard deserved to be set free due to misconduct by the FBI and other government agencies. And the... Uh, that did, that he did not pardon him or let him out. Again, Leonard, based on this, requested a new trial. Yes. The Fargo judge, again, denied the request. In 1992, AIM co-founder Russell Means had a lead role in Last of the Mohicans. Dennis Banks had a supporting role. Means later voiced Pocahontas' father in Pocahontas. Meanwhile, in 1993, Leonard came up for parole and was denied. A former U.S. Attorney General petitioned President Clinton to pardon Leonard. The, the nice, the sweet Democratic man. The president, the Democratic president, President Clinton, refused. In 2004, Leonard ran for president as the Peace and Freedom Party candidate in California. Oh. I voted for him. Did you? Yeah. Oh. He got over 20,000 votes. In 2009, he was denied parole. In 2012, a federal, ju- a federal judge refused a request by Leonard's attorneys to review 900 pages of FBI documents related to Frank Blackhorse slash Francis DeLuca, who had never been extradited from Canada and remained there apparently free. That year, curious Jackson Brown, Pete Seeger, and Moss Def performed at a Bring Leonard Peltier, Peltier Home concert. Wow. At this point, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, the Dalai Lama, Ringo Starr had all called for Leonard to be released. A huge campaign aimed at getting President Obama to commute Leonard's sentence reached its peak on January 17th, 2017, three days before Obama left office. Uh, Pope Francis personally reached out to President Obama and appealed for Leonard Peltier's release. President Obama 
refused. Leonard Peltier is currently held in a prison <sighs> in Florida. He has diabetes, high blood pressure, and a heart condition. He also has children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. He says he does not know who killed FBI agents Kohler and Williams. He is next eligible for parole in 2024 when he will be 79 years old. Uh, how the fuck does he not get a retrial or a new trial? Well, I mean, the, that if is the judges so, say no. I know, but that is so... I mean, the, the system has yes, to say the course, system is the wrong. System, it's right. the dumbest... It, but the fact that there's not an outside body yes. that is overseeing all of our court systems and saying, well, no, that's actually, uh, that's actually a political prisoner. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a guy in Philadelphia in the in fucking prisons for the same reason. There's guys all over our country that are political prisoners sitting in prisons because they were good leaders. Um, and, and in this case, you have a reservation that is being annihilated by law enforcement, people being killed, uh, axe murders, and the FBI is not doing anything. So when two FBI agents are coming to your house, they're coming to fucking kill you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the reality yeah. of the situation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then we know that the FBI fabricated evidence, had false witnesses. It's, it's a fucking slam yeah. dunk. Yeah, that's why. I think there's only one presidential candidate who will free him, myself. I don't think there are any except for Bernie Sanders who will free Leonard Peltier. Not one. Not one of those fucking people will do it. And, and this is – this was – like it's pretty well known. I, I, don't, I don't think Obama was a good president in, in some ways. I think, I think my personal opinion is Obama was the most cynical president in my lifetime because more than anyone else, he got the youth of America to get very excited about his election, and then he told them to fuck off. Yeah, um, and that that was devastating, and that led to I don't know uh, a lot of those people not partaking in the next election. Weird yeah. that that would happen. I wonder what. But guess next. who got fucking elected? Yeah. Um, but he, this this to me, when he did this, yeah. I remember, I didn't think about how he didn't, he didn't prosecute Wells Bankers. Fargo when they were clearly, clearly committing uh, racial crimes. Took us from five wars to seven. This, to me, is the most disgusting thing he has ever done from an empathetic human being standpoint. Well, because the pardoning process when you're leaving office is so absurd – there is no there's, repercussions. Well, there's the guy, I can't remember where, I think he's from Kentucky, whatever. He just, he's pardoned like murderers. He just pardoned a fucking pedophile. Yeah, he's pardoned like, and and there is a little bit of a, but as of now, you if you're the president, you can just commute or get rid of sentences. People, people are excited for Trump to be out of office, but motherfuckers, yeah. when that guy starts pardoning. Oh, you're going to wish you were never in this country because he's going to, he, he's, it's going to be like the TV show Gotham where he just that, lets all the that, loonies loose. And that is best case scenario. <laughs> that is best case scenario. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, that was Obama's biggest crime. Uh, that guy has no, no reason to be in prison. Yeah. He is a political prisoner in America because he's a native American who fought for his people and there's nothing else there. Literally nothing else there. Good times. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Is this going to be our Christmas weekend episode? Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. 
think so. I think yeah. it's the Christmas one. Enjoy your full stockings. Yeah, you can have. You can show this to your uh, families. Wow. Okay. Yep. Maybe send Leonard a, a gift in prison. Yeah. Well, let's get the address. That's what we did with um, yeah, we Tim Doc Anderson. We can do that. All right, we'll put that up. All right. All well, right. we sign. Uh, enjoy colors. your uh, white Christmas. Just like the ones this country's always known. <laughs> uh, so the main sources for this episode were Prison Writings, My Life is My Sundance by Leonard Peltier, and In the Spirit of Crazy Horse by Peter Mathieson, and then a bunch of magazines, uh, Rolling Stone, Mother Jones, The Nation, The New York Daily News, The Independent. Uh, ton of stuff IndianCountryNews.com uh, So uh, a lot of stuff uh, Go check it out Please read about him If you're more interested Because uh, Fascinating guy Oh hey there everybody It's Gareth You know from this uh, This podcast uh, Listen I've got some Stand up shows I'm inviting the Garmy The Gareth Army To join me for I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado August 18th and August 19th I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota August 24th through August 26th At Acme I will be going to the UK in September Please join me I will be in Glasgow September 13th London September 15th Dublin September 17th September 19th Manchester Birmingham September 20th Bristol September 22nd And Cardiff September 24th And then in November I'll be in Australia November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 